0: Should your team leader be able to do your job? Should they be able to answer some proportion of questions related to your job? Now, again, you might not be an individual on the front lines, but if you were, or maybe at one time you were, did you have a team leader or supervisor? and even if you didn't let's go through a hypothetical here should your one up the person that you are directly reporting to should they be able to one do your job just as well if not better as you better than you and should they be able to answer all of your questions what about their boss So let's say you go individual, team leader, to supervisor. Should your supervisor be able to perform your job just as well as you can? Should they be able to answer your questions with authority, knowing full well they have the right answer? And what proportion of questions should they be able to answer? What about their boss? Should a department manager be able to answer your questions? Should a department manager be able to do your job? Isn't it bizarre how most of the time, In most organizations, we see a break between the individual and a department manager and the level of competence and their ability to answer questions. Maybe that's not the case for your organization, but I sure see this a lot. I would say that I see this break in competence from individual to manager more than 90% of the time. you think that's right? Do you think a manager should know how to do your job? I remember when I was coming up, this is a long time ago now, and I was performing a certain task, a certain job, and my team leader knew everything there was to know about that job. He was absolutely fantastic. He was really good. And he was better than me at the task. And then I went up to my supervisor. And it was the same again. The supervisor knew everything about the role. And they knew a lot more. Because they knew about what the previous iteration looked like. And how things had changed from one raft of uh, process steps to another. So, if I couldn't go and get the answer from the team leader, the team leader or I could get the answer from the supervisor. And then now here's the big leap the manager guess what? The manager was actually the most switched on, most competent of all of us. And she, again, could perform the role better than all of us. The manager. When new people come on board, nowadays, you know what's happening? They're not getting trained by the manager. They're not getting trained by a supervisor. They're not getting trained by a team leader. They're usually getting trained by a buddy or a person who's maybe a little bit senior in the team. And do you know why? Because what we've done is we've started putting managers into the role that had little knowledge of the task they didn't graduate through the ranks they maybe had industry experience from a competitor or maybe they didn't even have industry experience but they had a good cv that said hey you're a good manager what do i think about that i think it's a complete breakdown of that chain of competency that should exist within an organization Now, I don't know how we get back to it. I don't know how we fix it, but I know it's quite problematic. It's problematic because as a transformation consultant, as a change agent, imagine trying to convince a manager or an executive who has never in a day in their life performed the tasks that their people perform. How do you convince them of the importance of that? How do you say, you know what, you really need to do this because the people that work for you are stressed out. They are struggling. Do you know how many times they have to click back into this screen or this field again and again and again? And how many times a certain field times out? And how many times we have to type in free text because there isn't a drop down? Or how many extra turns we have to make in a specific route. Or how hard it is to find parking because it's peak hour. Managers and executives don't know. Half the time, I don't think they want to know. We just talked about values in the last podcast, didn't we? Boy, I mean, some of, some of the people that listen to this podcast... You're going to think about this for a second. You're going to think, you know what? I know someone who's like that. And imagine that. Imagine that conversation where they walk into the value challenge. And it's like walking into an oncoming truck at 110 kilometers an hour. You say your values are this, but I know your values are that. But think about competency. And again, this this links really well to values. We wanna train our people. We wanna develop our people, right? This is what we say anyway. But we do this very, very rarely. There are not a lot of companies that do this. And again, I think back to redundancies. I think about how organizations wanna turn off the tap when things get hard. Oh, we're not gonna meet our um, our targets for this year. I might not get my bonus. We, we better get rid of some people. You better get rid of some people. Now, how's that for values? I can't think of any organization that before looking at and considering and making redundancies went through a very, very rigorous training program to upskill, cross-train, or retrain their employees. I I can't think of one. I mean, I'm sure there are many out there that do this, just not the ones that I've worked with. I mean, I, I suppose the idea of cross-training is really where you maybe look at like what a parallel team does, and so you've got one individual performing some task, and there's another task that can potentially be done in parallel within the process flow, and so you'll, you'll train them up on that. But how about radical learning and development, radical upskilling? I mean, when was the last time we took someone who was out performing janitorial services, and ask them if they'd be interested in, in learning about, um, I, I don't know, learning coding or something, or, or getting into uh, design. How often does that happen? Not very often. Would we want to spend the money on that? I know more, most organizations wouldn't. Now, I don't want to get off the, off the pattern or the topic of this idea about chain of competence. But the point I want to make here is that, and this, again, links back to values, is that at some point there was a break. There was a break between the individual doing the work, the team leader, the supervisor, and the manager. And as long as that break exists, it's going to make transformation efforts difficult. So how do we get the managers and the executives on side? How do we empower them with the knowledge and the experience? Again, we don't have competence here, but How do we give them the experience that their staff have in their daily roles of performing these tasks? What I really like to do is I really like to encourage people to go out and perform a DILO. DILO is just an acronym, D-I-L-O. stands for Day in the Life of. Most managers, when they come into a company, they they don't necessarily, quote, do the rounds unquote, anymore. Right? Again, I can think of a time where companies used to send their managers around and they would spend time going to their corporate office for training and then they'd spend a few weeks in the field. They'd spend time with each of the departments. Some companies still do this, but very few. But it gives a, it gives a manager a chance to work through the phase of saying, I don't know. It assumes that the manager doesn't know how this company operates, all right? And it gives them a chance to ask questions and to learn and to experience. Now, for some managers, it doesn't make sense. We don't necessarily want them, I mean, you could make this argument, to necessarily be as competent in certain areas as some of the individuals we have, right? Again, maybe you've got a team of surgeons and you've got a manager that's managing that department. And that manager, you could say, well, I don't really necessarily need a surgeon. But then again, where are these surgeons going for direction, right? And isn't it hard if you're a manager, really quite difficult as you're, if you're a manager and you haven't done the work to start setting the policy and creating the procedures and signing off? I can think of a, of a perfect example. I go back many, many years, I don't know, a long time, and I was working for an insurance company. And I was a decent manager, I had a decent CV, didn't have any insurance experience. But I took on a role as a supervisor for an insurance team. I didn't even have an insurance license, which again, well, we don't need that here. We just want a good manager in here. But here was the problem. This team was accustomed to having a manager or supervisor, I should say, who knew the policies inside and out. I didn't have that. So you know what happened? Initially, my team came to me and they were asking questions. Oh, Mike, what do we do with this? Oh, gosh. And, I don't, and what, I don't want to tell them the wrong thing, right? So then I started going to the team leaders. And the next thing you know, because Mike, quote, never knows the answer, they started going to the team leaders. Is that the team leader's job or is that your job? Well, you could say, well, maybe the team leader... That's their job to answer those questions. But who are the team leaders asking? So next thing you know, the team leaders are getting together and they're making decisions on what process changes should happen, how certain questions should be answered. And then what am I doing? I'm just managing. Not managing very well, are you? We had this podcast on leadership and... I I have thought about this so much since that podcast came out, and this is one of the challenges of doing podcasts in the way that we do them. We don't spend a ton of time prepping. We have a concept, especially when it's Matt and I, we jump into the conversation. Now, it's good and bad, right? I mean, it's good because we can get through the conversation pretty quickly. We can get content out, and we're not wrapped up in the research. But it's bad because... Sometimes we'll put these podcasts out and we'll go back and we'll really think about what we said. And I don't know about Matt, but I have really thought about that leadership podcast. And I'm really thinking about the, the answer that I gave versus now when I think deeply about leadership, what it really means to be a good leader. And I'll actually extend this into, in this case, in this example, what it means to be a good manager. I'll leave the leadership topic aside, but I think there's something that exists in both being a good leader and being a good manager. And that is our ability to develop our staff. And, I, and I, I really think that the best managers and the best leaders care a lot about their people. They care more about their people than almost anything else. And if you're a manager, one of your key goals should be to make your people better than they were before you started working with them. And in most cases, make them better than you are at your role. I mean, imagine that. Imagine working with a group of people and teaching them literally every single thing you know about that subject and encouraging them and organizing additional training and mentoring and coaching for them so that they exceed your current level of competency and knowledge. Yes, you make yourself redundant, but that's a good thing. You know, then you can move on to the next task. So many people are, are fearful and they're scared to, the, to develop their people. But I think it's one of the hallmarks of really good managers and really good leaders developing their people. So now let's go back to this chain of competency for, for a second. A good manager really should, really must know what their people can do how to perform the process, how to perform the activity, and continue to coach and develop them so that over time, they reach a point where they're better than the supervisor or the manager or the team leader, whatever the case may be. And the same is happening for the team leaders and the supervisors, right? You're developing those people and you're pushing them up through the ranks. I think about some of the responses I've gotten when I've done this and one of the things is like, well, well, Mike, you're gonna you're gonna dump all this IP into me knowing that there's a good chance I'm gonna leave. I, I hope you leave. I really do. I, I hope you take everything you can from me and you go on and you make more money and you become more successful and you become better. Right? There's never gonna be any ill will between a good competent manager who really at their core, at the heart of their mission, is focusing on developing their people or if their people develop and, and there's no place for them to go within the current organization, they should leave, shouldn't they? And, and again, doesn't, doesn't that mean that you've been successful? You've, you've done your job, right? Okay. So the point I want to make here is think about that chain of competency. Let's think about where our current managers are and where they should be and whether or not they have what it takes to take the line staff, the individuals out there doing all that hard work and answering their questions and developing them and taking them on that journey. And who knows? Sometimes when you train people and you get them to be really, really good, they move. If you're really, really lucky, you might be working for them one day. And I know it sounds silly, but how cool is it to train someone up Turn them into an absolute gun. Have them jump past you and then come back and reach a hand out later and say, hey, I'd love to work with you again. I've got a great role for you. And you know what? As we get older and as we age and as we move through our own ladder, that's a likely scenario for a lot of us, right? So be careful for the people underneath you because you might be you might be working for them one day. Take care of them. Look after them.